And I always tell people, that's the first question. If you're good at your job, we can do a lot. And then once I realized that, okay, I'm figuring out the job, right? Um, either A, I'm good at it, or B, I can pretend to be good at it, but I'm figuring out the job. Then the question is, where do I want to do this job? And I've always been driven not by a title and not by how big the brand is for a company, but by the work. Driven by doing is how the world moves forward. A show where students, professionals, and entrepreneurs share their stories, how they learned from their failures, and got to where they are today to inspire all of us to be the better version of ourselves. This show is sponsored by Career Woe. Connect with a mentor today. Hello and welcome to Driven by Doing podcast. Today we have got one more special guest. She is a founder of a couple of entrepreneurial background and then she's currently working at Twitter as a senior program manager. And Alexandria Butler, welcome to the show Driven by Doing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. So coming back to your background, like, you now, where are you originally from? And I just wanted to know right from the basic, like, where are you originally from? Where are my people from? So I was born and raised um, in Missouri, raised okay. in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and that's where both sides of my family are rooted in by way of Mississippi. Um, but I actually came to the San Francisco Bay Area where I live now because I went to Stanford University. And that really impacted my life just because I think all college experiences or undergraduate experiences impact kids at that time's lives. You are at this point in your life where you're trying to figure out what the world is and how you fit in it um, and where you see yourself in it. And to be at Stanford, which is very diverse in the kinds of things that you can do, but obviously has a very big passion for entrepreneurship and technology. That's really where I got my footing to really understand what the tech industry is and where I see myself in it. Wow. So you started uh, off in St. Louis. Now you're in California Bay Area where everybody in the world loves to come there and explore <laughs> their opportunities. They do. they do. We have a lot of visitors. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. what was that experience like when you're a student at Stanford, like it's a dream school for many millions of students across the world. When you went to Stanford, what was your initial experience like? Because that might be your dream school too. And when you right. get there, how did you feel about it? It was funny. I remember, I always tell people getting into Stanford is probably one of the best days of my life because I was told growing up that I could not go to a school like Stanford. So I distinctly remember getting the email that said you got into Stanford University and for context and not to date myself, I was the first class at Stanford that received emails of getting in. Um, previously, everyone received this big packet in the mail. So my first class, um, this is like, you know, this is what, spring 2007? was like, oh, we have an email. That was the sexy thing. And then I remember coming to campus on the first day as a first year as a freshman and realizing very quickly that I am not special. And that was the most tragic and most important lesson that I learned at Stanford University. Because when you get into a school like Stanford in a place like St. Louis, you're considered special. And then you go to Stanford and you realize very quickly that all of these other kids who are your age from the round the world were also considered special. And now you're in the same room, awkwardly socializing and realizing all at the same time that if everybody in this room was special at some point, now we're all the same thing. So we're not special. And so at least for me, my experience at Stanford was really trying to understand, okay, so we are all, we are all special, but not special because we're all the same here, right? We've all done some really cool things in our past life. We all really enjoy learning, but this kid down the hall for me, he's the fastest runner in Canada. And this girl down the hall for me upstairs, you know, she's written three novels. And I'm like, I just, where do I fit in this puzzle? And so I think my experience at Stanford was re really putting a lot of effort into figuring out where I fit in this sea of people that I thought were phenomenal. And I really thought that I could not compete with. 
it was a time in my life where I felt very normal amongst a lot of special people. And thank God and the ancestors that I have a great family support system and wonderful adults at Stanford who mentored me and sponsored me and loved on me. And they were very big on helping me find my voice um, and helping me find my path and my journey to figure out, so why am I special? But then it's funny because looking back when I talked to my friends who went to Stanford, they all had the same mindset. So we never talked about it, but all of us thought, wow, I'm the less special person of the special. And that's a very interesting conversation to have with your college buddies. But yeah. Wow. That's amazing that you're just going back to those days and like just now trying to realize that, hey, like everybody's feeling the same. And sometimes we might not talk to each other, but like when you just really bring your heart and pour in your heart and say, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. Sometimes you're not comfortable talking outside. Oh and gosh, yeah. Vulnerability is real, right? We're we're definitely we're definitely not. And I think the big lesson that I learned from that experience is that everyone is truly special and 99% of your specialness is stuff that you don't even realize. And that's what I started doing. So every couple of years I actually send an email to mentors and sponsors and I ask them what are my areas of strength and what are my areas of opportunity? Because you need to constantly be reminded because most of your strengths, you don't realize what you're doing. And it's so funny to me how when I get those responses and I use those responses to better my career, to say, okay, well, if these are my strengths slash if these are the strengths that people see from me, then what is the next step in my career, right? How can I use this information to my advantage to move into a different field or move to a different company or move into a different title, right? Based on what people see that I don't see. And it's so eye-opening that when you do that exercise, all the things that people find glorious in you, you think is normal. Wow, just yeah. uh, just amazing that like you know, when I start to hear about the background and where we kind of like think through this process. Wow, that's just amazing. And thanks for sharing that because a lot of listeners who are listening to this, they might still feel that, hey, you know what, you're right. Alexander is right that like, I felt the same. So I think really being vulnerable is vulnerability. Again, we we never talk about these things, but these are inside us uh, trying to get it out there. But we are so uncomfortable just to share to our own maybe close friends even sometimes we don't even like we feel that we are so close but there are some things that we aren't even just comfortable just getting out there so right. what would you tell students and especially like you know, you work with a lot of students and especially with career uh, like helping them what would you tell students who are just getting maybe like you know, in college and especially mm-hmm. this is a very very challenging time mm-hmm. and especially for for folks who are going to uh, going going to college and also coming out of college, especially mm-hmm. during this time. So what would you tell students, especially in this uh, COVID-19 and everything is changing so rapidly, what would you tell them to really take care of their careers? And because they have got big dreams, they, they came out of college, they thought that the world is going to be great. We are going to go out there and really face those uh, challenges that we they wanted to solve so what would you tell those students who are coming out of college right now i would tell them a couple of things so from a foundational level you will be okay hmm. so i need them to breathe and the reason why i say that is this is the first time in all of our lifetimes that we've had a pandemic a global pandemic the last one was the spanish flu in the early 1900s right so this is the first time that everyone on this planet has literally dealt with a pandemic, minus the two or three people that the BCC News have highlighted. I remember I read an article about this amazing woman who was actually born during the flu in the early 1900s, and she's still alive today. But clearly, since she was born during the flu, she doesn't remember it, right? Um, and so we we have nothing to compare it to. But I will say how companies are taking the pandemic is very similar to a financial crisis because they don't know what's going on. So a lot of companies are freezing roles. A lot of companies are laying off. A lot of companies, unfortunately, are having to temporarily let go of their new college grad programs or their internship programs so they can make sure they can store that money in the bank so the company can actually survive um, post-COVID. And I say that to say breathing is that we've had financial crises before. So as an American and 
again, it's different all over the world. I remember when this, I remember in 2010, 2009, and we had a huge financial crisis and everyone graduating, um, all of my friends graduated at the time from college, they were losing jobs. They would receive a job offer in January and they would not have it at graduation in, in May or June because of the financial crisis. All of those people are okay and they're thriving. So I say that to say, breathe, it's going to be okay because we first have to acknowledge that you have a lot of feelings and you think that the plan that you had set in place for your life is now completely blown up like a bomb because of COVID-19. And it has. A pandemic is real. And not to mention the layers of what that pandemic brings. It brings economic hardship to families. It, br it brings to people having to reprioritize their family over themselves. Not to mention the mental health layers of that that many people are not discussing. The plan blew up. It's time for a new plan. And that's the first thing that I want students to know right now. The second thing is that because we have a new plan, you may have to go about it differently. So a good example, freelancing right now is a hot commodity. It's very important, I think, for students to understand and for new college grads to understand that when your plan, when it comes to adulthood, not just your career, but adulthood, first and foremost, it's about survival. And then on top of survival, we put thriving. That's how this works. And so right now in COVID-19, we're talking about survival. And so are there talents that you have that you can monetize right now? A good example, freelance writing is so hot right now. I actually get hit up to do freelance writing myself from so many companies because right now everything on the internet, content is currency. And so I need students to start being creative about how they can survive, even if it means going back to mom and dad's house or going back to auntie's house and sitting in the basement. But how are we surviving? Once you figure that survival thing out, that survival layer out, then it says, okay, well, the plan has blown up, so how can we make a new plan? And many times in life, unfortunately, we are not taught how to be flexible to make a new plan. We're taught that if you do these three things, then you graduate. And then if you do these other two and a half things, you'll have a job. So a lot of this anxiety comes to the fact that students are not trained on adulting 101, which means just because your first plan didn't work does not mean the second plan won't. So I wanna make sure that students are equipped with the tools to survive. And I'm recommending survival. I'm recommending putting themselves out there on LinkedIn and say, here are the skills that I can offer. Who needs these skills? I also recommend doing free projects sometimes with people that can help you get things that actually pay monetary value. I recommend downsizing. It was funny, I was talking to my little brother who is a new college grad, graduated from college last year, and he lives in LA, and he literally just left LA a month ago, even though he still has his job to move back home with my parents, because what's the point of paying for rent in an expensive city if you don't need to physically be there right now, right? Save your money and then figure out these creative ways how to thrive. Now, how to do that, everyone asks, is that I need students to start asking their elders how to do that. I think it's very important for students right now, especially new college grads or juniors and seniors in college, to be vulnerable enough to put themselves out there. LinkedIn messages are phenomenal. And the funny thing is, we as adults know it's a pandemic and we are 99% more likely to actually respond. I have received hundreds and hundreds of messages from students in the past four months and I respond to almost all of them. Because for me, I cannot hire people right now, but the least that I can do is spend 30 minutes with you and say, okay, how are we gonna get you to the next step at least for the next month? Who can I connect you with? And I think that's very, very important. So I need students to start communicating to elders, and I define elder as someone who's a little bit wiser than you, and say, how can you help me? And here's my specific scenario, and be open to receiving that feedback and be open to receiving that help because right now we are in survival mode. Wow, these are some great tips. Like every student should actually listen to this and take action right away. Because as, <laughs> as you rightly mentioned, there are thousands and thousands of students who are struggling and who are almost uh, in, a, in, a, in a very bad situation, trying to right. understand and 
sometimes asking for help is also very difficult like sometimes when you are not comfortable asking for help and then you're thrown into this this whole global pandemic and all of a sudden like you're trying to come out of your comfort zone asking for help and a lot of students not even know how to ask for help and that is one common thing that i'm referring to students so did you have like any students who are like you know slowly approaching it to you and like they're uncomfortable asking for help any experiences of that sort of course of course um but but here's the thing is that i am the career coach i am the elder that i'm going to tell you the truth the candid truth the unfiltered truth the truth that may hurt your feelings and here's the deal i do not have children um i'm so i'm not a parent so therefore i cannot parent you and even if i was a parent you are not my child right so i think it's very important for students to really strengthen the skill of if you need something ask for it right if you need something but don't know exactly what it is ask for that too and be very succinct i think before covid many people i would go to talks and conferences and be a speaker and i would hear the other speakers speak and i heard this narrative a lot of people telling students when it comes to networking or going on linkedin have a specific ask and i actually disagree with that to a certain extent because i remember when i was 22 and i needed help and i didn't have an ask because i didn't know what to ask so i was in this moment in my career where i was like so i need help but i just don't know what i need help with so who can help me with that who who can help me figure out what i need help with right and especially in covid it is totally fine to be that student to be that new college grad and send the linkedin message and just say hey so do you have time for a virtual coffee because i don't know what i need but i know that i need something and i saw you at this engagement or my friend connected us to you and i feel like i just need you to tell me give me some ideas of possibly what i need and you take that conversation figure out what you need and then you try to go explore that and go get it it's totally fine with saying i need help and i don't know what i need and that's what's lacking right now when it comes to student development um in college and in just in careers that's what's lacking is that we're not telling new college grads that it's okay not to know everything and it's okay to come to the table and just say i don't know what i don't know so wow. tell me some stuff wow again yeah. like no students just asking for help just being having that courage to come forward because this is this is a time and even you rightly mentioned a while ago saying that hey you know what professionals are willing to help more than ever just because now they have got a little bit more time they're at home now they wanted to help you all because they understand it even when you reach that and send that first message they understand hey they need my help spending just 30 minutes is going to actually help them at least give them right. some kind of a guidance i think uh, that's so and then also taking a step back and i don't mean to harbor the point is that You don't know how many times right now in COVID. Remember, I think it's important for people to see the other side of the story. So you have all these companies that are also in survival mode. When COVID hit, we had all of these college students saying, "Whoa, my internship, my job, what's going on?" And you had all of these all of these companies, whether it's tech or non-tech, saying, "Whoa, who's going to buy my stuff? How am I going to make it? How am I going to ship it?" Like everyone doesn't know what's going on. and it's important for people on both sides to understand that anxiety. We all have the same anxiety. So it's funny is that I always tell students as well right now is that if you allow people to know that you exist and to know your talents, I may not have something for you today, but you don't know how many people hit me up saying, "Hey Lexi, so I need a social media manager next week." Because companies are scrambling. so they don't know what they need right now they know what they don't need right they're like oh i can't afford that right now but in the midst of covid every single day these companies these nonprofits these smaller organizations they're figuring out like oh i now need this and i may not be able to afford to give somebody a full time offer with benefits but does anyone know someone who can just do this on a contract basis perfect opportunity for a student perfect opportunity for a new college grad and you get paid but if these people who are who are hearing this don't know that you exist 
how can I nominate you for that role? In the past few months alone, I have definitely been hit up by many people in my network saying, hey, Lexi, I need this, 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 and this. And I'm always connecting them to a new college grad if having a new college grad could work because I know new college grads need opportunities. But if I didn't know that new college grad, if that new college grad did not reach out to me and say, hey, let's talk, this is what I do, then I can't make that connection. So just because you reach out to someone on Monday and they can't help you on Monday does not mean they can't help you on Friday. And that's what students need to understand. Absolutely, because making those connections and especially we all have the tools right, right. in our fingertips and all it takes is like, hey, you are spending so much time on so-and-so apps. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just sending a message, knowing that you are there, you are looking for an opportunity. And especially that's what I, I tell even students because expecting something in return at that instant might not even work. A lot of times it doesn't work in that way. And just waiting and being patient and also making sure that people know you, what you're looking for exactly is actually going to help you. Uh, you just uh, touched up on uh, a while ago. So I think... Uh, Every student should definitely listen to it and then take these tips and take action because taking action is the most important key. Right, uh, right. So, and, and you, you touched upon great, great points, uh, Lexi. And one thing I wanted to know, like, how did you find your passion? Like when you went to Stanford, like yeah. when you saw all these great students <laughs> from all around the world, like when did you figure out, like, this is what I'm really passionate about. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about helping, helping students or, helping like these nonprofit organizations to go to the next level. And you are so involved in the community. I think that's what I kind of like, you know, got some uh, while researching about you. Like, when did you know about your passion? Is it like talking to more people and really understanding what you really want? Um, yes and no. I think that I've always very much, the passions that I have and the passions that I perform today are passions that I had when I was a little girl. Wow. Um, I think it's really important for people to understand that many passions that you have you had at five years old and may not have had language for it or never knew how to monetize it and that's the dream right the the, the ultimate dream and a professional is to figure out what you love to do and what you're good at and then mix it with something where you can actually get paid for it and so when i went to stanford i was very much the anti um, they used to call me the anti-stanford student i wanted to go into fashion pr i wanted to do something that was not in tech I wanted to be very off the cuff because everybody was going to a startup. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, and so I really spent my Stanford career focusing on how to be a storyteller, something that I loved that I loved to do, but how to be a brilliant storyteller for public relations purposes. And I wanted to work for some, as I called it back then, some sexy name consumer company, whether it's Budweiser or Mercedes or a fashion house, something that's very consumer facing. All of my internships were in that area. And unfortunately, I did not get a job in that area. And I got a job in the tech industry last minute, thinking that I was going to do it for a year. Again, survival. And then I would, in that year, figure out how to continue my plan A, my dream. And in that year, what I realized doing my job was I said, oh, I actually really enjoy tech. And let's see if I can use this passion for professional storytelling in this industry. And I started looking for mentors and sponsors that also did that, or at least put me in connection with people who do that. And that's really how my nine to five job really picked up and, and how my career started flourishing. So it was me acknowledging that, hey, I told everyone that I would never be in tech, but I kind of secretly like it. So how can we make this work? Um, and that was me between 22 and 24 years old. I think the passions of community building and really being part of narratives that support this idea that marginalized people deserve equity and that white supremacy is real and how can I be a freedom fighter in, in the small bubble that I have, even though I don't work in diversity and inclusion formally, that was always part of me. I always tell people I was always a freedom fighter. I was always the kid who was like, this is not right right? Whether it was math class or science class or history class, I was always like that. And so what happened as an adult was I just did my day job. It was like, hey, this is not right. How, how we treat people is not right. How I'm being treated is not right. And that really fueled my passion to go be on boards of nonprofits that 
that help with that or to start my own organization that helps black women in tech because I was not receiving the support that I thought I needed. Um, a lot of my career coaching in college and college counseling for students really fit the hole and the need for me because I felt like when I started as an adult, nobody was helping me figure out how the world works. And I was literally going to happy hour with my friends and we were getting drunk and venting over all of these things that we didn't know. But at some point I said, well, what's the solution? Um, and so I just started talking to adults about how do I do this? And I realized very quickly that, oh, if I just start being more proactive in storytelling to new college grads about how to do this, maybe they won't make the same mistakes that I did at 22. Make some new mistakes. Don't make, don't make my mistakes. Um, so yeah. Make, mistakes. All, yeah. make new mistakes. Don't make my mistakes. Um, so it's all interconnected right? Who I am as a freedom fighter and as a storyteller has always been there. It was just a matter of me figuring out how can I do those things in my day job. Wow, yeah. that's just amazing. And you're not just a freedom fighter, but you're driven by doing. And like, you, know, you, you keep it out and then you actually like, you know, fight for things and you take action. That's what, again, most needed. And a lot of people wanted to put it out there, but they're just uncomfortable doing it. But right. you, you take action and do all those great things and thanks for everything. And now you started off your career, came out of Stanford and then started at NetApp. Yeah. That, that yeah. is your first job. And then, first I was, job. Yeah. and then I was looking through your profile and thought, wow, Lexi was able to like, you know, for somebody who doesn't want to get into tech industry, that's n- num- <laughs> number one. She was telling that she doesn't want to get into tech industry. Right. Now, if I look at her profile, she worked at NetApp. Yeah. Facebook, yeah. Airbnb, and yeah. right now yeah. it's like all the big brands that everybody dream exactly. to work for. So what <laughs> was that experience all look like for you right now if you look back? Crazy. Um, I think number one, if you want to tell God your plans, if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. That's the first thing. Because um, this was not the plan at 20. Um, but I'm very blessed and very honored to be part of this path. I think second thing is that do not, at least for me, I never planned on working at these kinds of companies. It wasn't this thing at 22 saying I'm going to work at Facebook or I'm going to work at Airbnb or that kind of thing. Literally, I started at NetApp because um, I got a job there. It was so funny. I didn't even know what NetApp did. None of my parents, like my parents didn't know, my family didn't know. I go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and they'd be like, I don't know what this is, right? <laughs> but it paid the rent. But I learned a lot at NetApp. And so one big thing that I learned at NetApp was be good at your job. And so I spent, I was NetApp, I was at NetApp for four, four and a half years. And in that time, I was putting a lot of effort to be good at my job. Um, Because I knew that at some point I'd want to go to a different company, but I need to know what I'm doing. And so in January, 2016, I started thinking about what do I want next? And I literally went on Google and I typed startup because NetApp at the time was about 15,000 people. And I had been talking to friends of mine in the tech industry that I met, and a lot of them really enjoyed startups. So I said, okay, let me go to a smaller company. So I typed on Google startup, and then I typed on Google consumer facing. Um, This is very shallow, but I wanted to go home to my family. And when I said where I worked, people didn't say explain that. NetApp is business to business. So most people who are consumer facing really don't know what NetApp is, even though it's a brilliant company. Um, And then that's what I wrote. And at the time, this is 2016, there were all these lists that came up. And every list, Airbnb was in the top five. And I started researching Airbnb because I had never actually stayed in Airbnb until I interviewed. And I said, well, I've heard of it. This sounds cool. The internet says it's cool. Okay, cool. And I literally went on the website and typed in program manager on their career page and they had one job. They had a compliance project manager. I updated my resume and I put it in the tool. Um, And I also applied to a lot of other places. It was funny because like I looked at all these startups and I applied to all of the startups and all of these lists because I knew that I wanted to go to a startup. I also knew that I wanted to go work for what I call a cool place, but also a place that really connected my values. I remember there was this one startup, um, I forgot their name, but they were doing these really cool connections of connecting elderly people in nursing homes with 
high school students to come and read. And I was like, brilliant. I was always like community and how can we connect people and make it better? So I applied to Airbnb and I, and I literally got a phone call from a recruiter. And it's interesting because when I was there doing my interviews, they asked me, have you used Airbnb before? I was like, no, I have not. And so the first time that I used an Airbnb, they gave me some credit and I used it for a trip to New Orleans because I was on a board at the time and we had our event in New Orleans and I went to New Orleans after I signed the offer letter and that was the first time that I used Airbnb but Airbnb really very much aligned to what I believed in. Airbnb said we have this mission to connect the world and to make the world a better place by putting people of different places together and I was like that sounds phenomenal and so I was at Airbnb for two years and it wasn't this thing of like, now I want to go to a different company. It was, I was doing this work. I was doing phenomenal work and Facebook dropped in the DM at LinkedIn. I always tell folks never say no to a conversation. And so I had the conversation in January, 2018, um, which led to another conversation and the types of work that I was going to do at Facebook. I was intrigued by the work, not by the pay, not by the name of the company, but really by the work. And so I went and then I was at Facebook. And then in November, 2019, I got a call from Twitter and they were like, we're gonna do this type of work. And I said, that sounds really, really cool actually. Um, and so my career in tech has really been driven by the types of work that I get to do. Um, it has not been driven necessarily by the companies or what a lot of people consider the top companies in tech. It's been these conversations with people and learning about here are the gaps, here are the problems we're trying to solve. And me saying, hmm, is that a problem that I'm really like soulfully interested in solving? Um, and two, would I wanna pursue this opportunity? And that's really how my career has been shaped. Wow, that is just amazing because my, you actually answered my next question. I, I was supposed to ask you, yeah. like, what is your career framework? Like, how do you make those decisions? You just answered that question. Like, it, it was just simply amazing that like a lot of folks, when we look at job opportunities, we might look at the brand, we might look at the pay, like all these uh, different scales or like different uh, key data points. But one thing I think, just listening to you for the last couple of minutes, how you choose those, they choose you. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, you really loved what you could do in that role or what kind of difference that you could make and might be like, you know, that's exactly what you love to do. You are a storyteller. You're mm -hmm. a freedom fighter. Like you, you love to fight to make that happen. And exactly, that's exactly what you're doing throughout your last few years of your career. And it was just, just amazing that like, you know, just, Going through your thought process itself is is like makes me feel uh, very good, so, such that like every student should go through this thought process. Hey, like you know, I I love doing what I'm doing. So every day, that's what motivates everybody. It's oh, not about yeah. So, but with this foundation, as I tell students, with this foundation of, are you good at your job? Hmm. And that's what NetApp got me, right? Um, I think NetApp's a wonderful company, but when I went there at 22, I wasn't sitting there saying, oh, the work that I'm going to do here matches my values. I didn't know what a program manager was when I started at NetApp. Remember, I was not supposed to go into tech. So I used NetApp as a place to build a foundation to be good at my job. And I always tell people, that's the first question. If you're good at your job, we can do a lot. And then once I realized that, okay, I'm figuring out the job right? Um, either A, I'm good at it, or B, I can pretend to be good at it, but I'm figuring out the job. Then the question is, where do I want to do this job? And I've always been driven not by a title and not by how big the brand is for a company, but by the work, right? And I think that all people should be driven like that. I really do think it is actually very dangerous and, and self-violent, if you will, to say, well, I want to work at this company because it's this company. Because you don't know the inner workings of that company. You don't know really what's going on behind, behind the walls. And so even though you think the brand is phenomenal, this actually may not be the company for you, right? So always follow your values. Is this something that you can really put your full self in? Does the mission of this company you wholeheartedly believe 
is the work something that you truly believe in? And then that doesn't matter if you work at the brand name company that you can talk about with your family, or if you work for a company no one knows about, because it's really about your happiness, right? At the end of the day. Wow. That's just amazing. It, it's, it's really about our happiness and like every day has to be a, uh, a challenge that we really are passionate about solving. Mm-hmm. So what resources that helped you in your journey? Like you know, one, you talked about mentoring. Yeah. You reaching out to uh, folks. Like what are the resources that you, that really helped you in your career? Honestly, therapy, a lot of therapy. And let me explain why. Because I think that what therapy does is therapy requires you to figure out who you are. And that is the biggest resource you can do for your career. Let me give you an example. Not everyone is driven by the same thing. There are some people in this world that are driven by money. So how in which they move in their career, what, what decisions they make about their career, what companies they go work at, if they're driven by money, they're going to be working at companies that can give them the highest salary. And that's okay if that's what you're driven by. Not everyone is driven by money. Despite what capitalist society tells you, not everyone is driven by money. And to be honest, I would argue that most people are not. Hmm. People are driven by survival. I need X amount of money in order to live my life and live it in a way that I like. But most people in the world do not need to be billionaires to have a happy life, okay? And what I learned in therapy was I started figuring out who I was as a person, what drives me, what motivates me, things that I cannot stand, things that I will not tolerate, how I want to be treated, how I treat other people, and that has really driven my decisions in my career. Because now that I know more about myself and therefore know what what environments I thrive in and what environments I do not thrive in, I no longer entertain the idea of working in environments that I do not thrive in. Like I said earlier, I will take every single LinkedIn request because you never know people are offering. And it's so funny. I've only worked at Twitter's my fourth company, and um, but I've received a lot of um, requests from recruiters, and I say yes to every single um, phone call, and we'll do a 15-minute phone call, and the older I get, and the more that I practice self-love of like, who am I, within the first five minutes, I can easily say, I don't think I'm the right person for you because I know what I'm looking for. It's not about, because to me, it's not about the money and it's not about the brand, right? For me, what I value and who am I is I value how I'm being treated and the types of things that I get to do and what type of corporate culture, right? Is it toxic? Is it flexible? Is it loving? These are very important things for me, right? And as you get older, you'll start mapping keywords to certain things and you're like, oop, that's a keyword. I don't want to go there. And then we can just end this phone call compassionately and respectfully. Right. Um, but people always ask me that. And it's like, yes, I can give you a list of books and yes, you should go find a mentor. But for me, the more that I worked on myself and learned who I was, and that's a continued journey, it is much easier for me to make career decisions because since I know who I am, then I can easily have a conversation and say, oh, that's not for me. Or, oop, that is for me. Um, And that's really important. So as I evolve as a person, maybe my career decisions will also change. But I think that actually goes in line with your previous question about values, right? And so I always tell folks the biggest resource I've ever done for my career, and actually just my whole life, has been therapy in order for me to get to know me. And not the person that I want to be. Not the person that I put on Instagram, not the person that I want people to think about me, but the literal person that I am, right? Like I am stubborn to a fault. I am impatient. I like to get things done. When things are not done, I do not understand why they're not done, right? (laughs) But I also want to work in an environment with people that have high emotional IQs, because I'm very big on just because we work together, it is very clear that people come from different 
cultures and different flavors and different people and different foods and languages. And we have to come together. And how I like to come together is to learn more about you. So that's just how I work. So if I work for a company that doesn't allow me to do that, I'd be horrible at my job. Horrible. I get fired because that's just not who I am. So why would I put myself in a position to not succeed when I know exactly who I am and there's an opportunity being presented to me that does not fit who I am? Wow. Just having that clarity and then just doing by therapy that you are so focused and motivated, just talking to you, you really know who you are and what you need. And that clarity is something that most don't. Right, right. And, so, and, and I, definitely, I definitely dealt through that amb- you know, ambiguity when I was in my mid-20s. And it wasn't until I started actively going to therapy twice a month where I was like, oh, so this can help me figure out who I am. And nor am I saying that therapy is the only way to figure that out. I'm just a very pro person for therapy. I think it heals souls, um, especially people that have systemic trauma. And as a black woman in white America, I have a lot of systemic trauma, but it really taught me to figure out who I am. And now every aspect of my life, that's how I fit into it. I don't do things that do not match who I am, whether it's my career, whether it's my personal life. I just, I really try to stay away from it unless I really have to do it. Like I have to, right? Um, That's, I don't, I don't buy into that narrative. Wow. So a couple of years ago in the, in the similar line of uh, our discussion, I started like meditating because something that, that, yeah, because that's, that's how I learned about myself Uh, because Mm. when I started meditation, I was, I was so nervous. I was an introvert, not really having a clarity of what I'm wanting to do. And for everything I used to feel so uncomfortable, Mm. uh, just talking to other people around me and not having the courage, I would say, Mm. uh, to really uh, put put my thoughts into words Mm -hmm. because I always felt uh, so uncomfortable and the social anxiety uh, is something that uh, I didn't know what the word is, but mm-hmm. like no, that was, I was like no, going through that, uh, I mean, since my childhood. And then when I started meditating like no, a few years ago, uh, every, every day I just sit for 30 minutes. The first thing that I do is fresh up and then just sit calmly 30 minutes and just doing some breathing exercises and just getting that clarity of thought or trying to focus on things that are not necessary or trying to not focus on things that that I always worried about but mm-hmm. I got clarity around saying that you know what that doesn't really matter to me mm. what I am really thinking that are my worries I don't even care about them in fact mm. so and how, how has that how has that meditation Think about the, think about Venki pre-meditation, yeah. right? How has that meditation helped you in your career? Right? I became, I became more confident, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in a room of full of people, I was not confident enough to even share my ideas. I was, I was fighting with myself inside mm-hmm. saying that, you know what? I know exactly how to solve that problem, but I, I couldn't put it in words. I was not comfortable speaking in front of people, just mm-hmm. sharing my ideas. And I was just fighting inside myself. You know what? I can solve that problem. But mm-hmm. I was not comfortable sharing that. And it was that fight that, that was, I was fighting against myself. Mm-hmm. I was fighting against myself. I don't know what others would think about me. Mm-hmm. And just not having that confidence is something that I struggled with for a long time. So let's, so let's take, so let's take a step back then. Right. So it's okay. So now you're doing meditation. You feel better. First and foremost, you just wake up every day and you just feel better and you bring that energy to work. And then it's showing that, okay, I have more confidence. So now you're speaking out more in meetings. So now the managers and the leadership are like, oh, he solved that problem. That was his idea. And then look at your performance review. Right. And then now you're being promoted and now you're being sponsored because you're like, wait, wait, He solves problems all because you took the time to say, what can I do for myself to get to know me more meditation and look how it's just completely impacted 
your life and your career, right? Because you took the time to get to know you more. You found a tool that works for you to be the, your best self, whether it's at home or whether it's at work. And when you're your best self at work, the literal direct benefits are you being promoted or you being seeked for more opportunity, which actually does mean more money and does mean more opportunities for, for your life, right? Hmm, absolutely. It's just that everybody has their own way of really learning about themselves. It's, it's all about the self-consciousness. Exactly. I it think, comes uh, down to completely. And I have friends who do it differently. I have one friend who she does hot yoga um, every day. It, it has transformed her career because she found this thing that allows her to feel better, to do better. And it, it doesn't have to be necessarily exercise. I have one friend, she travels, like she goes to seven, eight countries a year, right? And it's just interesting how when you look at their lives before they did the time to figure out who they were, and then you look at their lives now, every aspect of their life is better. Hmm. That, that domino effect, the domino, domino effect. effect. And this is not just like, oh, I feel better with my romantic partner, or I feel better with my kid, or I feel better with my family. Like literally every aspect, including your career, is better because you know who you are. So therefore, you know that, oh, this is not good for me. I'm going to nicely decline. Or like, oh, I, I think I actually really want to do that. You just, and it just happens. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you rightly mentioned that, like every other thing that you might not be comfortable with or you're not doing such a great job everything seems to be like easy for you once you figure out who you really are and mm -hmm. as you also mentioned that everybody has a different tool and everybody learns more about themselves using that specific tool that they love doing it mm -hmm. by doing it they're learning about themselves and they're making a change for themselves and for the people around them right because you can because now that you know who you are you can make the best decisions for you, right? And the decisions that are best for me may not be the best decisions for you. And that's okay, right? But if you continue to know who you are and make the best decisions for you, you're never gonna be concerned about the best decisions for me because you're just gonna be too happy. That's great, <laughs> right? Wow. I always tell students and new college grads, young professionals, that this whole idea of figuring out who you are as cheesy and like in the clouds as it sounds, if you take the time to get to it, then a lot of this other stuff will go away. You will stop comparing yourself to others because you're gonna realize, oh, so who they are is different than who I am. So if my friend wants a puppy, that's gonna make them so happy. But if I don't want a puppy, I'm gonna be happy not having the puppy, right? Oh, my friend wants to become a VP of engineering. But, oh, I don't want to be a VP of engineering. Okay, well, then why are you mad about not getting that promotion? Right? right? Um, and so I think it's really about you making the best decisions for you, but you can't do that unless you do your work to figure out who you are. Wow, such an amazing... It's, it's, it sounds so simple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really it's, hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds so simple, and it is, it is the hardest thing. And right. in fact... Uh, just like, you know, we have all the tools around us. Right. It's just that even first step is figuring out what works for you mm -hmm. to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. I think uh, those are the some simple tips that everybody, everybody, in fact, can actually leverage taking mm -hmm. that time. And now more than ever, we need these tools. Yes, yes. especially in COVID and all this uncertainty. And, and so maybe that's the lesson of this hour. Maybe it's like use COVID to start figuring out who you are. I tell folks, people laugh at me, but I'm like, I feel like 2020 is the year of pause for me. So 2020 this year is not about necessarily building some new dream, but I'm doing this year of pause and reflecting on what has been built, um, taking inventory on the things that I still want in my life, the things that I no longer want in my life. Um, even in my career, the types of things that I want to do moving forward, the things that I don't want to do, right? And definitely talking to my manager, trying to push me, trying to get her to push me to the things that I want to do more and this a lot less. Um, but yeah, 2020 is the year of pause. And I think that COVID has the opportunity for everyone to pause. 
and say, okay, so what do I want? Right. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm doing this year. Yeah. Wow. Simply superb, uh, Lexi, just, uh, knowing your thought process and like what you're doing for yourself and trying to make a difference around you and fighting for the rights. I think uh, those are some unique qualities that you have that everybody listening to this podcast and just, I mean, I got so much vibration. Like I just talked to you for an hour and I wish you all the very best for all the great things that you are doing. And then especially working on your sister circles, trying to help, women in tech yes. uh, to bring more women in tech is just a uh, it's just a phenomenal thing uh, that you're trying to help and we need to support a lot of people around us uh, to make a real difference and uh, now more than ever we need those supporting hands and everybody needs one another and together we can make a lot of changes and together yes. we can win and yes. i think i just wanted to leave our audience with that and you are truly driven, driven by doing and uh, every day I had the opportunity to see how you're growing, not just in your career, but also trying to make a difference to the people around you. And I wish you all the very best for all the projects that you're working on. And you are just an awesome personality to just, I had the greatest uh, pleasure and honor to talk to you and listen to you and also learn so many things that mm-hmm. everybody can take advantage of it uh, to really learn more about themselves and also uh, learn more about what they wanted to do in their career. And you rightly mentioned 2020 is the year of pause. Do you want to say any final things that? I really just want to say thank you. And I, and I want you to know that what you're doing is freedom fighting. And so I'm so honored to share this virtual space with you um, and honored to know you and just really proud of your work and honored to observe your work. And whatever I can do to uplift that work, please let me know because this podcast is changing lives and and what you're doing is changing lives. And I just want you to continue it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alexi. If uh, any, any listeners want to connect with you, what's the best place to reach out to you? The best place to reach out to me is probably LinkedIn under Alexandria Butler. And you can also find me on Twitter um, with the, I think it's at by unfiltered. It's my speaking engagement Twitter, but yeah, hit me up. Let me know how I can help. Awesome. Thank you so much and uh, take care. Of course, you too.